Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you and to see you face to face today and to have this opportunity to share. As Stuart said, I uh, work for South Wales Baptist Association and part of that is that I have the privilege of supporting in the region of 130 churches and uh, a number of ministers across South Wales. And it's really good to be able to come and to share with you and uh, particularly in other times as well, we try and support churches as they seek new ministers and various things like that and it's been great to meet with the leadership and I can tell you having done so and having met with a number of churches you have a really good leadership here I hope you know that already and um, they, they are really really good and you can trust them in this time it, it is a real privilege to work alongside them and I'm delighted today to be able to come and share around this passage uh, from Acts to continue your series as we look at Acts chapter 2. And uh, we're going to read that together now. We're not going to read all of it. We'll read the first 21 verses. I would recommend perhaps that when you go home, you take the opportunity to read through the whole of Acts chapter 2 from verses 1 through to. Uh, 41. You're going to look at the last part of the chapter, I think, next week. Let's hear from God's word. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray together as we come to look at this passage. Father, we want to say thank you that we have your word contained in scripture that tells us more of who you are and how you are in relationship with us, how you love us. We thank you for this passage today and pray that as we look at it, you will encourage us where we need to be encouraged. You will inspire us where we need to be inspired and challenge us where we need to be challenged, that your name might be honoured today. And as we meet and think of this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit arriving, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, we will experience your presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope uh, you don't mind, but I'm going to start with a little quiz. There are three questions to this quiz, and each one is a theme tune from a TV show. Uh, and the question is simply this, can you identify the TV theme? Now, the first one is from uh, CBBC, so um, some of the young people might help us. The other two, uh, I do warn you, they were in their heyday about 20 years ago. Um, so it's a bit of a challenge, but the question is, can you identify them? And if you can, what's the link between them? We'll hear them now. Hopefully. <laughs> it all worked in rehearsal. <laughs> Okay. We've got somebody who knows that over there. We'll come to you in a minute. Okay, and then the second one is coming up very shortly. And then the third and final one. Okay, so there are the three tunes. Now, I think over on my right here, you had your hand up for the first one. Do you want to say what it? 
Oh, it's, it's a good guess. It's not actually the right one. Anyone else? Dengineers, yes, hopefully there we've got a picture of the Dengineers and in the Dengineers what happens is it's uh, a mixture of dens that are made by engineers. So they're creating special spaces for children. Um, I've watched it with mine a couple of times and I, I quite enjoyed it. It's a good watch. Um, second one, anyone be able to identify that? Changing rooms, fantastic. There we go. Uh, and uh, the premise of that show, I think, was that um, there would be friends, neighbours or, or family members who would come together and they would swap a room and each decorate a room in each other's house against the clock. The third one, ground force. Yes, there we go, ground force. And once again, within a couple of days, what they would do is they would, um, a couple would go away or the people who lived in the house wouldn't be there uh, and, um, uh, and Charlie and Alan and Tommy would come along and they would renovate the garden, usually with a water feature and some decking somewhere along the line. Uh, anyone want to hazard a guess about the link between these things? Transformation and change, yes, absolutely. And with each of these, what we see is there's a rapid change that takes place, a rapid change. And what I want to suggest as we come to look at this passage today, there's a number of ways we could look at it. But as I was praying, this is what I felt God was placing on my heart for you here this morning. And it's this about rapid change that is first experienced by the disciples. Let's remember, a couple of months earlier, Jesus was still alive and had not died on the cross. So in the last couple of months, they have seen Jesus crucified and all the emotions that went with that horrific event. Then they've seen the Resurrection Sunday, Jesus coming alive again. And over the next 40 days, Jesus continues to appear to them and teaches them. Rapid change that is going on. But you know what, they still, um, they still don't quite get it. We're, if you've listened to what Stuart was sharing last week, you will have heard these words. Jesus tells them that they are to remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Uh, and the disciples say to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still completely misunderstood what the Holy Spirit was all about and what the Holy Spirit was going to do. But on this day of Pentecost, as we know it, the day the Holy Spirit comes, suddenly things become a whole lot clearer. But it's been a time of rapid change. Uh, and this is what I want to speak about this morning, how the Holy Spirit comes with change and how we can react to that. Because I recognize that for you as a church, you've had a time of rapid change. In one sense, we all share the same story of COVID uh, and all that that has meant with constant changes of what is and what isn't allowed. What we're allowed to do today even is different from what you were able to do at the last Big Woody and hopefully what you'll be able to do at the next Big Woody as well. Constant change, rapidly, always having to work out what to do next. But it goes beyond that as well, of course, because Chris retired not so long ago. So you're, you're adjusting to, to life without Chris now and looking to what happens next, hopefully with another minister coming to help lead you on from this place. 
And then on top of that, with the rapid change, you're also going through this time of trying a different format of Sunday services. And so you're experiencing rapid change. And into this, I just want to ask the question, as we think about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as we think of what it means to have the Holy Spirit come and be amongst us, is there something we can learn from the experience of the disciples who were undergoing rapid change as well? And so there are three things that I want to talk about this morning. And those three things are this. The arrival of the Holy Spirit actually means not getting what you want. The arrival of the Holy Spirit means lives are brought together in a new way. And the arrival of the Holy Spirit leads to God's kingdom advancing. So we're going to look at those three things. The first thing, not getting what you want. I wonder how many of you have ordered something uh, from a supermarket online, either for click and collect or for delivery to your house. Anyone here done that? A few of you have. Now, you may have experienced that sometimes what you order online, the person who goes around to pick it up discovers that they haven't got that in stock and they come up with some substitutions for you. Here are some of my favorite substitutions that have come up. Not for me personally, but what I found out. So the first one is this. Somebody ordered red laces to eat, a sweet treat. And what did they get? Well, we don't have that. How about a pair of red shoelaces? Next one. Um, somebody asked, uh, ordered a garden fork. Well, they didn't have it, and they sent them some cutlery. Not sure how good that will be for helping you dig your garden. Uh, next one, I, I really like this one. This is what somebody tweeted because they ordered a spring bouquet, expecting flowers, um, but they got spring onions. Uh, and I love the way in the photo that what they did is they tried putting them in a vase to see what that looks like. Uh, not really working. And then the final one, um, somebody ordered a five birthday candle. Well, you can see what they did. Two twos and a one. Good maths. I guess you can always learn maths even on your birthday, uh, but perhaps not exactly what was being looked for. Come back to the statement from the disciples who say this in chapter 1, verse 6. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And, and what's being asked for here is that um, they're saying, we're looking back. Will you restore us to how things used to be? You see, there was a golden age for the people of Israel under the kings of King David and King Solomon. Never was the kingdom more powerful and better than at that time. And the people believed that there would be a Messiah, a saviour. And what that Messiah and saviour would do would be to take them back to the glory days of how it used to be. And we can understand that desire for things to be as they once were. And yet what we discover on this day of Pentecost as the disciples had this hope, this desire that actually what they would see is the kingdom being restored to what it would look like before. I mean, imagine for them, here they are, 
the leadership team of this new movement of Jesus Christ, they're going to be right at the centre of this. They're going to be powerful people in this nation if the nation is restored to how it was before. It's their hope. It's their desire. And yet, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit does something completely different. And I just wonder if sometimes for us, we can have this desire for things to go back to how they used to be. The desire to look back and say, it was great then, if only what the Holy Spirit would do when the Holy Spirit comes and refreshes and renews and restores us is for things to go back to how they used to be. It's understandable, I hear this desire through all the changes that have come through COVID. People thinking, oh, I wish we could go back to how things used to be. And there's a natural part of that. I mean, <laughs> I probably like you, long to be able to take my mask off and just sing without masks on, to have the freedom to do the things we used to do, the longing to go back, longing to go back to how church used to be. But what if, as we are experiencing this disruption, what we discover is the Holy Spirit is going to be at work in us and things won't quite look like how they used to be. You're experiencing it as a church in going through a new system for Sunday mornings. And I imagine there will be those of you looking back thinking, oh, I wish we could go back to how it was before. Maybe you go further back and you say, well, 10, 15, 20 years ago, or whatever period it was, this church, well, it was amazing. It was so different then. I wish we could go back to how it used to be. And yet the Holy Spirit is leading us forward. And one of the things that I would want to suggest is, although the disciples might have wanted one particular thing and were expecting something, when they discovered what the reality was of the Holy Spirit coming is this, they discovered God's plan and God's way was a whole lot better. Doesn't mean it was easy and it was costly still. And it would go on being costly for them. But it was much the better way. I believe for us, if we can trust in the Holy Spirit leading us forward, in filling us, in refreshing us, in restoring us, what we will discover is if we are willing to lay aside our hopes, our desires, the things that we want, and discover what the Holy Spirit is doing. Well, there's a possibility that those things might match up. But if not, we will discover that what the Holy Spirit is doing is a whole lot better than what our plans actually were. But if we want to, and there will be an opportunity to respond to this later on, if we want to be filled or refilled, refreshed or restored, however it most helps you to phrase it, with the power of the Holy Spirit today, one of the things we need to recognize is in asking that, we're saying, Lord, I give up self and invite you to be the ruler and leader of my life, that I will go in your direction and not the direction that I want, that I will put my desires and my hopes to one side in order 
to follow you. Is that a prayer we are willing to pray today? We don't always get what we want when the Holy Spirit moves. The second thing, being brought together. Uh, last year, I don't know if any of you picked up on this story, but I was really intrigued to see that the country of Belgium was enlarged, apparently, at one point. What happened was this, a farmer um, was using, was plowing the field and it kept getting frustrated by this stone that was the picture that was within um, his field. So he decided to move that stone outside of the field into the adjoining forest. The thing was, the stone marked the border between Belgium and France. <laughs> and so what he was actually doing was accidentally, he was enlarging the borders of Belgium. Uh, now, I'm pleased to say that nobody got really het up about this. When it was discovered, everyone seems to have enjoyed it as a bit of a joke and uh, nothing too serious happened whatsoever. Accidentally enlarging the borders. When we see the Holy Spirit come, there's no accident about this. Borders are enlarged. You see, when the disciples in verse 6 asked Jesus this question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They are thinking about a particular location, a nation. Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to come for us. God's chosen people, the Jews. But what is going to happen is not that at all. The borders are going to be enlarged. We read how there are God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven who come to see what's going on as the disciples are being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this incredible thing happens where each of them hears the disciples speaking to them in their own language. And here is a sign for them of what is going on. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just for the people of Israel. The Holy Spirit is moving beyond that for all people and all nations everywhere. But what we see from the disciples is perhaps this natural desire. It's for us. It's for the people of Israel. Uh, and, and that's natural because we've got to remember these people were under foreign rule. The Romans had conquered their nation. For years and years previously, they were surrounded by nations that followed other gods. What they were experiencing was the outside influence of other nations that were taking them away from properly worshipping God. Either because people were distracted and worshipped other gods, or because of the restrictions that were placed on them that stopped them from freely worshipping God. So the natural thing is, when the Holy Spirit comes, won't the Holy Spirit remove these things that prevent us from worshipping so that we can get on with it in our way? Uh, and instead, what the Holy Spirit is doing is the Holy Spirit is going to break down barriers, things that separate us. Go back to the book of Genesis and the stories of what happens there. The original problem for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, as the fall happens, is that they separate themselves because they're embarrassed because they're naked and they take themselves away and hide from God. 
separation that takes place. Later on in Genesis, we read of the Tower of Babel, where languages are separated. You see, the problem that is highlighted in the Bible is the separation that goes on between God and people and then between peoples. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit reverses that by enabling us to have a relationship with God our Father in a way that we might never otherwise have known. And it also, as we see here, we see what the Holy Spirit does is he begins to enlarge the borders and bring all people in so that everyone can hear. And I think that's part of what the Holy Spirit desires to do for us today as well, to enlarge our borders. You see, one of the things as I've heard some of your story, I've loved, and I, I'm sure there are many challenges that come with this, but one of the things that you have identified here in this changing, changing pattern on a Sunday is this. You've identified that there are people who speak a different language out in your community. Now, I'm not talking about national languages here. I'm just saying that actually as churches, we can speak a different language to many people outside of there. We, we heard actually in the testimonies uh, earlier on from Zara and from Nick about people who were speaking a different language. The lady who lives in the pink house, grieving without hope, at that time, you know, the verse from Thessalonians says, as you grieve, don't grieve without hope. A different story, a different language at that point. Needing Jesus to change that story. Going into a gym, a, a gangster gym, whatever it feels like when you go in there. Uh, and actually, uh, they're speaking a different language spiritually. And we need to be people who are saying we're part of the move of the Holy Spirit is we reach out to people who speak different languages. And as we reach out, they have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus in a different language, in their own language, that enables them to relate with him. Now, I don't know what the future holds for you as a church and with this pattern, and I know you've got to review it. But my encouragement to you is whatever you decide, is at the forefront of who you are and what you want to be, is to be people who are reaching out to those who speak a different language, not changing the message of who Jesus is, but speaking the language of those who don't yet know him so that they can come to have the wonder of who he is, the love that he has for each and every one of us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And this is at the heart of what happens at Pentecost. Uh, and actually, as you go on reading the story of Acts, what we see again and again is the surprise of the people who discover that actually the message of Jesus, well, first of all, it is even for Samaritans, a group of people who they didn't really think would respond or should respond to the gospel. And then it goes beyond there to the Gentiles as well, to those who are not Jews. The Holy Spirit keeps surprising them with just who Jesus is for. And actually, again, with those testimonies, we might be surprised at just who Jesus is for when we see their stories and think, how could they ever respond? And yet they do, because the power of the Holy Spirit is present today and working in people's lives. 
Are we willing to speak different languages in order to remove the barrier that others may come to faith in him? Lives are brought together in a new way. The third thing, the kingdom of God advances. I um, don't know if any of you know this. I, I imagine most people have a TV license here. Um, many of you, I, I'm not working for the TV license people, so I'm not asking for any confessions here. Um, but, but did you know that there are still, according to uh, figures from last year, around four and a half thousand people who only have a black and white TV license? Isn't, isn't that incredible? I mean, I, I just kind of think, well, why do people want to watch TV in black and white? You know, when you can have a color TV. I mean, I guess it's cheaper, so there might be a reason for that. But, you know, you look at how things have advanced. Black and white TV, no, no widescreen, no remote controls, no HD, um, no smart TV with all the things that we might be able to connect with. But there are people who are choosing to remain with the black and white TV. I wonder if the disciples had stayed with where they were in verse 6. If they had stayed as people who were saying, we're looking for you to restore the kingdom of Israel. If they'd stayed in that place, it would have been like viewing God's story in black and white. Missing out on the colour, the remote control. Missing out on the HD, the smart TV opportunities. As the Holy Spirit comes, suddenly their understanding of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what their task is, changes. They see so much more clearly. Uh, and what we see is the kingdom of God begins to advance. When they say these words, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? There was almost that expectation that it would be just like that, click of the fingers. The nation of Israel restored to its former greatness. The work of the Holy Spirit often takes place over time. Sometimes there are immediate and amazing changes, like on the day of Pentecost with what happens there. But the work of the Holy Spirit leads to change and transformation in people that can take place over time as well. But the key thing is we see the kingdom of God advance as people are changed by hearing the message of Jesus and meeting with him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we see this in Peter, for example. I mean, go back a couple of months, Peter was denying Jesus. Go back a couple of months and Peter was the one who put his foot in it regularly. Now, we only heard the first part of the sermon, do go away and read the rest of it, but now he's a preacher in front of crowds. Again, not so long before, they were all uh, gathered together, the disciples, in a locked room because they were afraid of the Jews. Now, a short while later, Peter's going out on the streets preaching about Jesus. What a transformation. A transformation in beginning to understand that the gospel is not just for the people of Israel, but for people beyond their borders. Understanding that it's not about his desires and his understanding and his expectations, but he is to go God's way and God's way is better. And look at what happens in verse 37 and then 
41. When the people heard this, when they heard Peter preaching, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And he tells them to confess their sins, to give their life to Jesus. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The kingdom of God is advancing. Now I imagine... If there's an outbreak of the Holy Spirit here in this place in a new way, 3,000 new members added to the church in one day will be quite a lot to cope with. What a great problem to have. Because after all, where God does something, he equips us and strengthens us to cope with it anyway. But the key thing is this. The kingdom of God advances as the Holy Spirit is present, as he fills people, as he changes situations, things are transformed. We should be people who expect to see lives changed, people transformed, not um, not identified by their weaknesses, but identified by the gifts and the grace that is displayed through Jesus. That's who we're to be as well, each and every one of us, not defined by our weaknesses, not defined by our faults, but defined by the spirit who lives within us. Well, there's so much we could say about this passage. I've just looked at it through one particular lens about this idea of rapid change. Rapid change in not getting what we want, our hopes and desires changing because the Holy Spirit does a new thing with us. Rapid change because we see people who didn't speak the same language as us in church having the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus, leading to the advance of the kingdom of God. That's my hope, my prayer for each of us, for Woody here, for the churches across South Wales and indeed the church across the United Kingdom. May we be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, not having our own desires, our own hopes, but going God's way. Not being afraid of diversity, but celebrating diversity. And allowing and seeing and witnessing the kingdom of God to advance. May we see that in our day. Amen.